Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to encourage you to take self-responsibility in order to reach your highest potential. I'll also be interviewing life coach Scott Schmarin, who shares his transformational story and how he learned to take responsibility for his life. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each original composition is written like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores a character's grief and loss. And just like in any book, the story explores a character's heartache and eventually he finds healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's personal development. He has an awakening. And in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which aren't healthy. And it helps him come to a place of restoration, being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase both albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration. And my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you're currently hearing is from the first album, Consolation, entitled Temptation. Taking responsibility. For those of you who have followed me for a long time, you've heard me say multiple times that we are all self-made people. The great thing about lifeology is essentially we're studying everybody's life. It doesn't matter how successful you are or how unsuccessful the world may see you to be, you're still a self-made person. So each action we take today determines the success for the next moment. And then as those actions and consequences continue to add up, it creates the person you are today. As we grow up, we understand things a certain way. The childhood templates that we create when we're kids often determine how we act out as adults. In previous episodes, I've talked about thinking errors. So essentially, whatever our perception or our belief is about our situation determines the thoughts that come in our head. The thoughts then determine what we're going to feel, and then the feelings then tell our body what to do. So anytime we have a situation where our perception about that, based off of kind of the templates we've used throughout life to, to help us figure out what's going on in the world, those perceptions then tell us what to think, then what to feel, then what to do. And then after a while, we just go on autopilot. Something happens, we react, and then we repeat the whole cycle over and over again. And then pretty soon we wake up one day and we think, oh my gosh, I can't stand my life. Look at everyone around me. It seems as if they're much more successful than me. And then you become very frustrated about that. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to really explore this lesson in the way that I'd like to. So I'd really recommend you go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and read the articles that I have called Thinking Errors. And I did a YouTube episode on that as well. I really want you to look at those 15 common thinking errors because what happens is if you automatically use those templates and how you perceive the world, you're never going to be as successful as you would like to be. A quick little example of those, if you find that you're overreacting, if you feel self-entitled, if you're blaming others, if you're punishing others, if you're not taking responsibility, and you just feel as if everyone is against you, those are really good examples of what a thinking error is. So if you find that you're having those feelings in any of these situations, you are actually using these templates, which is essentially going to defeat you from being the best person you can be. 
Your belief system is the strongest thing you have. Your core belief, what you believe about yourself is going to determine if you are going to move forward in your life or you're going to stay where you currently are. Whatever you tell yourself is going to be a reality. If you believe that you're going to be unsuccessful, if you believe what people told you when you were younger, or if you believe that an event you went through is now who you are, for example, if you're divorced, then you'll always be divorced. Or if you're overweight, then you'll always be overweight. Those are unfortunately lies that you have believed. It's only true if you believe it to be true. And my friend, it is not true at all. There is absolutely no reason why you cannot be as successful as the person you see on TV. There's no reason why you can't be as successful as that person that you sometimes envy because it seems as if their life is much more successful than yours. You have every opportunity to become the person that you want to be, but the choice is yours. Today is a day to take responsibility for where you're at because as soon as you do that, you will then start to become the self-made person that you've always wanted to be. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the Academy entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. (laughs) We've all experienced those times when nothing seems to go right. This class will specifically train you how to process the event, regroup, and use what was thought as a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone. Enroll in the class today. Scott Schmarin is a nationally known hypnotist, speaker, coach, author, television, and radio personality. He is going to share his own transformational story and how he inspires and helps his clients achieve any of their goals. Welcome to my show, Scott. Thanks for having me, James. It's a pleasure. Now, the person with whom I'm speaking right now, this confident person, is definitely not the person that you were when you grew up. Is that correct? I would say that I am very much a different person than what I used to be, yes. Yeah. So tell us about that, because I want people to understand from where you came versus where you are today. Sure. Um, You know, it's funny. Even as a kid, I always had this little thought in my head, this little voice that said, you know, your mission in life is to help people make a difference in this world. Hmm. I wasn't sure I was going to do that. But as a kid, you really would have noticed me because I was the fat kid in my neighborhood. Um, People noticed me. I mean, I was made fun of and bullied by Kids and you know what? The parents made fun of me too. Really? And I spent, yeah, I wow. spent most of my life withdrawing from the world because I was sensitive and being teased, watching really bad sitcom TV from the '60s and the '70s, and eating. Hmm. And the more I was teased, the more I withdrew, and I just buried myself in food, and I got bigger and I got larger. And you know, I remember times in my life when. I, like I remember, remember that presence program on physical fitness mm-hmm. when you were oh, kidding, gosh, yeah. class? Uh-huh. I used to hate that. Yeah. You know, it was push-ups and sit-ups and all kinds of ups. And none of them I did very well. But the part I hated the most is I knew they were going to weigh us on one of the days. Mm. And it was the same thing every year. I always wished there was some new kid that moved into my neighborhood who was bigger than me so they could he could take the title of oh, being the gosh. fattest kid in the class. And in our gym class – our gym teacher weighed us from the lightest to the heaviest kid. Oh and it'd my be gosh, the same it's so sad. It was awful. It would be the same thing every year. It'd be the end of gym class, and all the kids would be on one side of the gym that had been weighed in, and I'd be sitting on the other side of the gym by myself, waiting for the call. And the gym teacher would call out my name, and all the kids would cheer and laugh, and I'd put on that really big, fake, stupid grin on my face while I was mm-hmm. crying on the inside, going up there knowing that I was the heaviest kid. And that voice inside of me started to grow more silent. Hmm. And I'll never forget the time I was in my 20s. I um, was at a New Year's Eve party. 
and there was 50 people there. And I, you know, I was this little short, fat guy, and I made this plate of food, and I found this wooden rocking chair to sit on. And I remember sitting in the chair, and the chair broke. Oh my gosh! Actually, actually I crushed. It was really like a scene out of a movie. And in that whole moment, the room just froze. Everybody stopped what they were doing. They turned around and they looked. And then they laughed. And, and I, you know, I guess looking at that would be really funny. But, man, I was – it just killed me inside. And I, I wish I was about two inches tall and I could find a corner to hide in. And I remember getting out of that place and going back to my home and spending my New Year's Eve, which at that time my two best friends were a large sausage pizza from a place called Nick's. And a frozen Sara Lee cheesecake with the strawberries, man. And I ate them all. I stuffed mm. myself and I was miserable. I hated the world. I hated myself. I hated everything. Yeah. And I blamed everybody else. And it got to a point where I couldn't stand it anymore. I gave up on myself. I felt the pain was too great. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking a bottle of sleeping pills and painkillers. And I remember putting them in a paper cup. I walked into my bathroom. I remember putting that cup on the bathroom counter and I looked in the mirror. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see anything. And I took all the pills and I took enough pills probably to kill an elephant. And I remember going, I had this chair. I used to sit in and watch TV. I would hide from the world. And it was my little safe zone, my excuse to hide. And I just sat there and I waited to die. And I was terrified. Yet I almost felt this sense of relief, like, okay, it's going to end now. And at some point I passed out and I knew it was out for a long time because I remember opening my eyes and truthfully, I should have died. I don't know why I lived. I guess there's a reason why I'm here now. Mm -hmm. And I remember opening my eyes and looking up and seeing the light shine through my living room window. And I felt this tremendous sense of peace. And at first I thought I was dead because that's the only way I could describe it. And I really can't describe the sense of euphoria and peace and clarity that I felt probably for the first time in my life. And I realized that all these things were my fault, that I was responsible for my life and how it was. It wasn't anybody else's fault. It was mine. And at that moment in time, I made a decision to get up out of my chair and change. And I started studying how my mind worked. And I wanted to know why I would want to lose weight and I would lose weight and then put it right back on. Mm-hmm. Why did I have this internal battle? Why were there two me's inside of me? And I started studying things like hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming and all different types of meditation and visualization. And I started formulating my own things and my own techniques and my own skills. And I started to work on, I guess, really to experiment on myself. Yeah. And I began to change. And... Fast forward, I lost and kept off 180 pounds. My life has completely changed. I don't look the same. I don't feel the same. And that voice inside of me came back. And it came back not as a whisper, but screaming and yelling at me saying, okay, now is your time to start helping others. So I took my real estate career. I chucked it. And here I am today speaking with you. (laughs) That's amazing. What a wonderful transformational story. I wanted to go back to the part when you awoke and you felt this euphoria or this, this peace. You know, sometimes I've spoken with people before who've experienced that and they say it's almost like 
when you're so comfortable when you're laying down or in a bed that you just don't want to move because you feel so relaxed and so at ease. And so I can only assume that that may be maybe a, a sliver of what you experienced. But when you had that, that epiphany, when you woke up, how did that, how did that impact you? Because to go all those years, you know, 20 years old, and to think a certain way, and all of a sudden to have something revealed to you that you are the cause of why your life was the way that it was. How is it for you to have that complete paradigm shift and then to have to take responsibility for the person you were in that moment? You know, the only way I could describe it is I spent my life walking around in a completely pitch dark room. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden someone turned on the lights and I could see everything and then everything got clear. Um, it was a big shift. And to be honest with you, in looking back, I'm thinking about it right now, it was actually pretty much of a relief. Mm. You know, when you think about it, when you're blaming everybody else for all the things that are going wrong in your life, you feel like you have no control. It's their fault. It's sure. their responsibility. It has nothing to do with you. And the moment you own it, the moment you take responsibility for it, now you have control. And truthfully, that's a big sense of relief. That's very true. Because then you have a roadmap. You have a roadmap for change, even though you may not yet know where you're going, but at least you know that you are the person who's in control and can make whatever healthy changes you need to make. Exactly. Yeah. Now, jumping forward a bit, I happened to see your interview um, on, on the Oprah Winfrey show years ago. How did you go from yes. that epiphany where you woke up, had that transformation, and then you got you were on the Oprah Winfrey show? Oh, it's a fun, it's actually, it's a funny story. You know, I don't think, I don't believe that things happen by accident. <laughs> so it was a long, it was a long time ago and I had just gotten done losing weight and I decided to run the Chicago marathon and I had was sponsoring a charity and people were sponsoring money and I got a local news station um, to do a story on me about it. And at that time, Oprah didn't have her own studio. She was in the same building as ABC uh, mm -hmm. News at that time. And what happened was, is that she had just lost a lot of weight. I used to, I call her famous wagon of fat show. When she reeled up <laughs> I remember wagon that. <laughs> of all the weight that she lost. And they were looking for guests to have on the show. And one of the producers saw them editing the footage. And at that time, this is years and years ago, I was traveling on the road. This was before the time we had cell phones or anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was at, um, I was in high point, uh, in high point, North Carolina, and I was at a furniture market and I was calling an order in on a payphone. And my office said, Oh, by the way, the Oprah Winfrey show call, they'd like you to call them. And of course I thought they were kidding. <laughs> so I called them and they explained to me that they had saw them editing the piece. And would I be interested in coming on the show as a guest? Oh, I said, wow. sure. So they sent a camera crew with me down to the race and, uh, and then I was on the show. So it was kind of fun. It was actually not kind of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You could see how excited you were when you were running, you know, just before you said that you could climb out in a building and so you could see all the energy yeah. and how excited you were about it. That's, that's a, what a great opportunity to be able to share your story. Thanks. So tell me about this mind performance training help my listeners understand what it is specifically you do as you help your clients achieve their goals. Yeah. Well, what I do is I actually came up with a formula. Mm -hmm. What I found in studying all these different modalities is they all had commonalities. They all had some differences, but there were a lot more commonalities. And so I really broken down the process into four steps. And the four steps are, I call them the four R's. Relax, release, reprogram, and reinforce. 
And I really go through this process with all my clients, regardless of what they're working on, whether they're looking to achieve more success in their life, maybe they're looking to overcome an obstacle or a challenge, maybe they want to be a better athlete. We still go through the same process. And the process goes this way. You first, you have to learn how to relax mm-hmm. in the relaxed state of mind and body. All things are possible. You have access to all of your resources, your skills, all the things that are truly amazing about yourself. Like an athlete performing in the zone state mm-hmm. is in a fully awake, relaxed, hypnotic state. They'll tell you that they seem to be controlling time and that everything else is moving slower than them. Yeah, I've experienced that and before. Once yes. you're able And once you're able to access that state, then we work on releasing, releasing all the old junk, garbage and the crap from your past, you know, things from the environment you grew up in. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe it it just you grew up in an environment that was very negative. Those things act as filters. They shape and mold you in what you believe to be right and wrong. And until you remove those filters, anytime you try to change, it's going to pull you back to where you were before. It's why so many people lose weight. They feel good and they put it right back on. Mm-hmm. And then once you get rid of those filters, now you put you can reprogram your mind. You can put new ideas and new thoughts and new habits and how you want to be physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, your career, relationships, everything. And your really cool thing about your subconscious mind, it doesn't really distinguish between what's real and not real. So if you give these really great empowering pictures, it'll say, yes, let's go do it. And it'll start driving towards it. And then the last step is to constantly, consistently reinforcing those changes so you don't go back to where you were before. It's, it's really, it's a very, very simple formula. Yeah. In my field, we, we call those cognitive schemas or cognitive dissonance that people often have. So what they've, the template they've created for themselves all throughout the years, all of a sudden becomes a reality when they're the ones who've limited themselves, or we, rather we are the ones who've limited ourselves to, to think a certain way or to be a certain way. And, uh, and often when that happens, you know, many people can't as you've said, achieve their goals. Correct. Yeah. Do you often talk about the, the different s- stages of sleep? You know, just before you fall asleep, um, you, you know, the, the brainwaves that you actually create, that's usually a time that most people, like for smoking cessation, and anytime people want to make a change, that's when they go into that relaxed stage just before they fall into unconsciousness. Do you also explore that as well as far as the, the different brain waves, like the alpha, beta, and the theta waves? Do, do you talk about that as well in your methodology? I'll talk about it with you. I mean, usually with my clients, they don't care about stuff sure. like that, but sure. I mean, you're, you're accessing th- that bandwidth between alpha and theta is mm-hmm. where all great change takes place. Correct. And um, it's powerful. And that's really one of the things I, I very, when I'm talking to some clients who want to make a very intrinsic change, that's one of the times I really help them also make that change is during that time, just before you sleep, the visualization that you create just before you fall unconscious really solidifies it in your unconscious. And that's kind of the last thought you think of, which then creates the whole belief system and kind of shifts that belief system to help someone have a different, essentially a paradigm shift or a whole world shift upon waking up. So while they're unconscious, that whole part of them really um, understands it to be different kind of solidifies it inside of them and then when they wake up they're stronger because it's now a part of who they are well i agree you know it's interesting if you ever read the book think and grow rich by napoleon hill mm-hmm. in his complete work law of success he talks about all these at that time these highly successful men the most successful men that walked on the face of the earth at that period of time the people like henry ford and thomas edison and the wright brothers and alexander graham bell One of the commonalities they had every night when they would go to bed, as they were falling asleep, 
they would focus on, as Napoleon Hill would say, their chief aim or their definite major purpose in life or their vision or their mm -hmm. goal, however you want to describe it. And they would go to sleep on it, allowing their subconscious mind just to play with those ideas all night long, figuring out how to do them. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And what was his famous quote? Whatever a man believes he can achieve. Is that what, what it was? Right, right. Whatever a man can um, conceive and believe he can achieve. Correct. Yeah. And f yeah. And clearly that's, that's very true. Now with the, with the people with whom you work, how have, what are some of the success stories that you have? Um, there's a lot of them. Yeah. You know, one of my, I, I have a lot. One of my favorite stories is uh -huh. I worked with this female bodybuilder and I love her because I'm five foot six and I'm a head taller than her. So I feel really big. When I lift her. <laughs> and um, she came to me is she had this really big goal. She wanted to win a national pro bodybuilding championship and become a top level pro and then open up a gym and train other fitness competitors. Mm -hmm. So I worked with her. She was always falling short of that goal. So I worked with her during her training cycle, which, you know, it, it, those people really work really hard. I, I, could, I yeah. couldn't ignore what I want to do what they do. Well, it's like a full-time job. So I start, <laughs> yes. And I started working with her. And all we did was change her focus. I noticed she didn't have a clear picture of what that really meant to her to win. And we created that picture in her mind of her winning and then what would happen afterwards. So fast forward, she enters a national IFBB Pro Bodybuilding Championship. She enters three divisions. She wins all three divisions. She actually wins two professional titles. Wow, that's amazing. Now, here's what the interesting part is. She was 56 years old when she did wow, that. Wow, that is incredible. She won her division. She won the divi age division under her, and she won the age division under that one. Oh, my gosh. That is so amazing. Oh, my gosh. Fact, I love that it. That one division, the woman she was competing against was not that much older than her daughter. Wow. Then after that, her gym opened. She was able to open a gym. She was able to take it from seeing it in her head to making it actually happen. And then a year after that, the gym doubled in size. That's absolutely incredible. In fact, it's still there today. And I love telling that story because she did something that no one else did. And, mm -hmm. and she was told that she couldn't do it 56 years old. And she's just a miraculous woman. And it was fun to be part of her journey. I bet. That is just such an incredible story, Scott. I'm sure that felt phenomenal for both of you. And not only for her to be able to break out of her own age bracket and do the things that she was told she couldn't do, but also for you to be on the other side of it as a coach to really help her navigate through that. What an amazing story. I wanted to ask you this as well. Do you find often when you have, when you meet with some of these people that when they have this goal that they have, um, all of a sudden they have this, once I achieve it, they often get stuck and don't maybe move their goal to another level. And so with that, often their, their life can become stunted. I don't have that issue with my clients because mm -hmm. um, we usually work on, okay, you know, this leads to that and that leads to the next thing and the next thing. What I find is that most people that don't succeed at achieving what they want is they start to make progress in the direction they want to go in. Mm -hmm. And then they feel it and, and everything they did to get there, then they stop doing it because they don't think they need to do it anymore. And then they start drifting back to where they were before. Yeah. Which is, what I sure, which is which is essentially what they did prior to the coming to you. You know, for example, you said that sometimes when people yes. lose weight, then they, you know, they end up gaining it back. And so it's, it's pretty much that cognitive distortion that we talked about earlier. Yeah. What do you think one yes. of the main reasons overall is why people just maybe don't even try to achieve their goals? You know, they have these ideas, but they don't even, they, they just don't even try overall. Well, I think that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason people don't want to try and move on is, 
you know, we're creatures of familiarity. Even though we may be suffering what we're doing, it's what we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And even though it's hurting us, in our minds, it's still less painful than the unknown of something being better. I mean, you can talk to an alcoholic or a drug addict, and they can tell you they know what they're doing is really bad. But in their mind, the thought of the unknown of doing something different, even though it's, it, it guarantee you it's going to be better than what they're living now, is still more painful than it is to stay where they're at. And I think that's the issue most people have is it forces them to step out of their comfort zone and do something different. And I think we're wired. I think that's a really good point. And I think sometimes even when people have, you know, they may have the unknown, but we then fill in the blank with that unknown. And that's usually where we fill, fill in the blank with our failure or insecurity or maybe what people have said about us, maybe labels that they've slapped on us as well. And so with that, just like you said, living in that dysfunctional function, functionality often causes people to, to get stunted in, in that particular time in their life. I agree. And I think it's, you know, it, it, it it's our way where it's the way our, maybe our minds are wired, but if you're aware of it, you can step past it. I mean, I have times when I stretch myself to do things and I get the little voice in me saying, well, maybe you shouldn't do this, but I'm aware of it and I'll still push through it and do it anyway, because I'm more interested to see what's going to happen on the other side. Mm -hmm. But I think it also goes from a sense of self development as well. Understanding that, yes, we may have the, the voice of fear, the voice of uncertainty, but the self development, knowing that we don't want to live a life of mediocrity. We don't want to stay where we currently yeah. are. And so really understanding that that fear is really, um, for some people, it can be the impetus to really push them through that. Because I know for me in my own life, I've had people say, James, you can't do this, or you're not good at this, you're not good at that. And I use right. that in a way for me to say, you know what? That's going to be the fuel I need. So when I feel as if I'm, I'm not able to do it, I hear that person's voice and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this, you know? <laughs> and then that, that's how it changes. And so I think just on the different version of that, that that voice of fear is just like someone's telling you you can't do something, but it's really how do you use it to push you through as opposed to cause you to, to stop the progress that you're making? I agree. You know, what I tell my clients is the big, you know, the most important thing they can have is to become awake and aware of their thoughts, their feelings and emotions. Because so many people go through life on autopilot mm -hmm. and it's very difficult for somebody to change something that they're not even aware that they need to change. And the moment they become awake and aware of their thoughts and their feelings, they become just thoughts. They don't become automatic responses and a thought can be changed. A thought can be dismissed and move past. Mm -hmm. So becoming awake and aware of who you are and what you are is really, really important. So how would you have people start or where would you have them start rather? Because sometimes people just don't even realize that they are living in mediocrity or that they are maybe stunted in their personal development. You know, one of the things I tell people is a very simple way to start is to start writing down what you want. And, you know, we live in a world where we don't write things out anymore. We're always typing things on computers. We're texting but there's great power in writing things out and it has a huge impact on your subconscious mind. We have a tendency to believe that what we write out in our own handwriting to be true, even if it isn't. Um, neuroscientists have taught us that now. Mm -hmm. So why not start writing things out? And I find if I look at some of my old journals, the things I started writing out years ago, they're all my, a lot of those things are my reality now. And I, I tell people, start writing things out now because they become the stories of your future realities. I like you know, that. I don't, know how many, I don't know how many times I've written out in my journals when I weighed 360 pounds that I have a strong, healthy, lean, attractive, youthful body weighing 175 pounds or less. 
That's my reality. Mm. My weight stays between 171 and 174. It never changes. It is who I am and what I am. And I look exactly how I imagined I would look. That's wonderful. And a lot of that came from just the repetition of writing it out over and over and creating and painting that picture in my mind. Yeah. Goes back to what we said with Napoleon Hill, whatever man believes that he he can definitely achieve it. Yeah. Tell me about the book that you wrote. Um, I I believe you co-wrote it with um, Jack Canfield, Deepak Chopra, and Dennis Waitley. Right. Stepping Stones to Success. Uh Um, I co-wrote the book. It's a chapter. It's a chronology of my life. I have uh, a couple other things. I'm writing another book now, and I'm coming out with a, a life transformational program, an audio program, which is not out yet. And we're in, I'm in talks with some people about producing it on a very, very large scale. Oh, that's amazing. So, Congratulations. That's wonderful. Thanks. So, so now if my, if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and all the amazing things that you're doing, where would they find your information online? They can go to my website, which is www.ultimatevisionarymind.com. That's the easiest way. And you know what? If they want to get a hold of me, they can call me. They can reach me at area code 847-331-5848. Wonderful. Well, Scott, thank you once again for being a guest on my show today. Thank, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.